So Christmas was yesterday, yeah? Hope everybody had a great time. A uh, couple of weeks ago in our Wednesday night Bible study, Tim did a whole spoiler alert. We were moving up to it, and he said, spoiler alert, Jesus is going to be born, or Jesus is coming, or something. So, I don't know. So we celebrated that yesterday, right? And uh, if you didn't quite get that spoiler alert, Jesus came, and we celebrated that yesterday. And um, what I want to talk to you about this morning um, is that Jesus came with a plan and a purpose, all right? And the Father sent him with a plan and a purpose. And I love the word that Pastor Tom gave Friday night about what it was that Jesus was thinking just before he was born. Man, what an amazing, amazing word that was. And so not only did Jesus come with a plan and a purpose, but he knew what it was. Before he ever came, he knew what the plan was. He knew what the purpose was. He knew what the outcome was. And yet, because of his love for us, he came. And he came anyway. And he came because of you. And he came because of me, too. And uh, God is good. And God has a plan. Jesus had a plan and purpose. God had a plan and purpose for Jesus. And he spoke about that plan and that purpose all the way back in Genesis 3.15 is the first mention where we see that God had a plan and that Jesus was going to be a part of that plan. In 3.15, he said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, when you look at that word, you realize that Jesus is going to come out victorious. He will crush the enemy's head. That's the victory of Jesus. That's the victory of the cross. That's the victory of the advent of Jesus coming and being born into this world. But yet we know that it wasn't without he will strike his, he will strike his heel or you will strike his heel. We knew that that, that that crucifixion, those things were going to happen. At least Jesus did. God did. They knew that that was going to be the purpose and the plan. And God did not send Jesus into this world and then pull his hand back and say, Okay, Jesus, you're there. Now it's up to you. You know. In fact, we've been talking in our, in our Wednesday night Bible studies about how God chose all these different people, how he put things into motion. I mean, he shook up the entire Roman world by forcing them to go to the place of their birth so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. That wasn't so, you know, the emperor could take a census. It wasn't for any purpose other than God's purposes to be fulfilled. And so God shook up the entire, moved them all around so that Jesus would be born according to prophecy in Bethlehem. He chose uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, and, and Elizabeth gave birth in her old age where she had not given birth before uh, and Zechariah was quiet for a long time because he doubted uh, <laughs> there's your lesson for the day don't doubt God okay um, he chose Mary and he chose Joseph but not only them, he chose the shepherds to speak to them. And why did he speak to them? Because they went and they saw everything as God had said that it would be. And then they went and they told everybody that would listen. And so God had a plan. He chose the wise men to come and to bring the gifts to, uh, to Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but... The plan of, the, of the, the king of Herod was to do away with Jesus. And, of course, he was being led by the enemy. And after the wise men had visited Jesus and brought him those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and 
then they had gone back to their own country through a different way, thereby deceiving Herod. What happened? They were, the, the, Joseph had a, a vision. The angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, you need to take the child and go to Egypt. Now, another thing that we've talked about in our Wednesday night Bible studies was how poor Mary and Joseph were. I mean, even when they took Jesus into the temple, they chose two pigeons because they couldn't afford two doves or a lamb and a dove. And so they were very humble means. And I just don't think they would have had the financial means to get up, pack everything up, and go to Egypt and live in Egypt for however long they were in Egypt had it not been for the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that the wise men brought. And so that's what enabled them to do. And what that says to me, and what I hope that says to you today, is God had a plan. And he is in control. And being in control, like I said, he moved the entire Roman world. He moved the, the, uh, the wise men there to bring them the gifts. Everything was under his control. We know that Romans 8.28 says what? We know God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, he was working everything together for the good, for Jesus, and in turn for Jesus for us. Because everything that happened for Jesus happened for us. Every event that happened in Jesus' life was for us. We see God's plan in everything that happened. We see God's plan in how he um, chose all the people that he chose. We see God's plan in how Mary and Joseph did everything according to what the requirements of the law were in Jesus' life. He was raised and, and brought up in that very um, religious, very, very um, obedient lifestyle because it was obedience to what the law had required them to do, and they continued to do that. And yet we see that it's not only what Mary and Joseph did for Jesus because if we look to Luke 2.49, um, and that whole story is where they had gone to Jerusalem, and then when Mary and Joseph ended up in the, the, uh, the caravan of people headed back home, and they all, you know, they got two or three days out, and all of a sudden Mary's looking at Joseph going, hey, is Jesus with you? And he's like, no, isn't he with you? And they went, oh, no. And they turned around and went back to Jerusalem. And what does Jesus say? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? The King James Version says, I had to be about my father's business. Listen, there was a plan. Jesus knew that plan from the beginning, and he was following God's plan and fulfilling God's purpose for his life. And everything he did was according to what God spoke to him, what God shared with him, what God led him into through the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, if you, you know, the Holy Spirit was on Jesus, and he ministered in the same way that we can minister when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Okay? But Jesus said, I had to be about my Father's business. And even throughout Jesus' ministry, as we read through all the Gospels, as we um, see what Jesus' ministry was all about, we understand that everything he did led to the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't go, God, Father, if there's any way that this can't, it doesn't have to happen this way. If this can pass from me, if this doesn't require me to do what I know you've asked me to do and you've shown me to do from the very foundation, then let it happen that way. But here's the key words. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And Jesus followed the will of his Father. Jesus did 
what his father had asked him to do. His entire life was spent following the will of his father. It was knowing the will of his father, and then it was following that will. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. We're talking this is everything from yesterday on forward to the resurrection. Because yesterday we celebrated his birth. Easter's coming up. We're going to celebrate his death and resurrection, right? And this is everything in between there. He did everything that happened in between those in those years of ministry um, to follow the will of his father. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection was the final part of God's plan and purpose for him when he came to earth the first time. Did you hear me say the first time? Because his soon-to-happen return, I don't know if you caught that, his soon-to-happen return, he is coming back to set up the new heaven and the new earth. That will be the final installment of God's plan and God's purpose. It's to bring us back together with him. It's to bring fallen mankind back into relationship with the Father. It's to bring us all back together where we can be in one, where we can get back to where Adam and Eve were in the garden when God would come and walk with them in the, in the evening, in the cool of the evening, in the Garden of Eden. Their, their, their fellowship was, was intimate, was, was, was tight. And, and yet we have fellowship with our Father, and yet we have that sin that comes between us. But Jesus and his death and his resurrection, and when Jesus comes back again and brings us all to himself, and, and he's preparing that way, and Pastor talked about that, preparing that house for us so that where I may be, you may be also. That's his plan. That was his purpose. That's why Jesus came here. That's why we celebrated Christmas yesterday. God put us into this world with a plan as well. Okay, church, everything that I've talked about, about Jesus' plan and Jesus' purpose, applies to us. God put us into this world. God created us into this world. He made us into this world with a plan as well. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knew you before you were born. And it's not like just before you were born. He knew you before you were formed. He has known you and he has seen you from the very foundation of the world. And I hope what that says to you is in Genesis 3.15 when he says, um, I will put enmity between you and the, and the, the child, but he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. When he was talking about Jesus' sacrifice that would bring us back, that he knew you. Not that he knew mankind, he knew you. He looked at you, he knew your name, he knew your personality, he knew your, your strengths, he knew your weaknesses. He knew what sins that would be committed, but he also knew that he was sending his son to you so you would be redeemed. And so you could be brought back to him. So you could be back in that place where we could walk with him in the cool of the evening. Where we could all come back together. He set you apart and he knew you from the very beginning. There was a guy in our church in Taft. He said, you know, if God had a refrigerator, my picture would be on his refrigerator. You know? And listen, he got to have a big refrigerator because all of our pictures were on his refrigerator. Because Jesus was God's son, right? We are God's children as well. 
If we know him, if we come to him, if we have given our hearts and lives to him, he calls us his children. He calls us his sons and his daughters. We are his equally as much. And he has a plan for us. So what has God set you apart for? What great purpose of heaven were you created for? Because we look at Jesus and we think, man, what a, what a great purpose of heaven that was. What a great plan that was that God had for him to come, that all mankind could be redeemed because of his sacrifice. But listen, the plan and purpose God has for you is equally important. Why? Because he has it for you. So my question to you is, what is that plan? What is that purpose? We heard Friday night that Jesus knew the kind of the plan. And how many of you guys would be like, man, I wish I could know the plan that God has for me. You know, we talked Wednesday night again, and I'm referring back to that. But I, I asked the question, how many times are you looking at something happening and you don't know how it's going to happen, why it's going to happen, what's going to happen, what the outcome is going to be. But then when you get on the other side, you look back and go, oh, I get it now. Right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. right? Even when it comes to dealing with things of God, you look back and you see how God worked everything together for good. You see how God put all those things into, into to, to the works. You see how God shook up the entire Roman world for, the, for that very thing that needed to happen in your life to happen. You look back and you see it and you understand it. But it's really hard seeing it going forward sometimes, isn't it? It is for me anyway. I don't know about you guys. I, you know, it is for me. But yet God has a plan, and he has a purpose for us. We can see some of the purpose. We see Jeremiah 29, 11. You've heard this before. God says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And we use that verse so much for the second part, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that second half of that verse is amazing. It's amazing. It is such a great gift from God. But the first part of that, I think, holds the real power because it says, I, God, have plans for you. And not only does he have plans for you, but he knows what they are. How many times have you had plans? Well, I got plans. I'm going to try to do something and try to figure that out. I mean, you know, it, it's amazing how, you know, you have a vacation come up or something and you're like, well, I don't know. What, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, let's try to make a plan. Well, then the plan never gets made, right? And then you don't ever go anywhere. Nothing ever happens. You know, sometimes we have a lot of difficulty with our own plans. But God has no difficulty with his plans for you. And he knows what they are. And Jeremiah 29, 11 gives us a small little, little uh, window into what those plans are. We see as Jesus at the end of Matthew when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. He gives us a plan. He gives us an idea of what his purpose is for our life is. He gives us an idea of what the plan for his children is so that we can go and we can let other people know who he is and that he has a plan for them and that his resurrection happened so that they could be redeemed to the Father. But he doesn't just tell us what to do. He says, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We don't have to do anything by ourselves. Because whatever we do, wherever we go, however we proceed, 
in the plan and purpose that God has for our lives. He is with us. Jesus said, behold, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. How is he with us? He's with us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he will lead us into all truth. And he will show us what it is that he wants for us. God works in the midst of the plan. He didn't put Jesus into the world and then back up saying, I've done my part. Now it's up to Jesus and church, he doesn't do that to us either. He is in control and he puts things into place for these plans to happen. I already talked about Romans 8.28 where God causes all things to work together. If we go to Romans 12.12, 12, it says, do not be conformed to this world any longer, or do not, be, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God said, you want to know what my will is? You want to know what my plan is? Then stop conforming to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can we have our minds renewed? Our minds are renewed as we seek the Lord, as we seek God in prayer. Our minds are renewed as we read into his word, as we learn about him, as we understand about him. Our minds are renewed as we come together in fellowship and we talk about the Lord and we talk about what it is he's done for us. Our minds are renewed. In, in pre-service prayer this morning, we heard several testimonies about God's victory in the lives of people and our minds are strengthened. Our faith is strengthened. Our minds can be renewed in that way our minds are renewed as those 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 addictions that were spoken about as those 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 bondages that kathy spoke about over here are broken in our lives our minds are renewed as god builds his faith and as our faith is built up in him and as we step away from being conformed to the pattern of this world god has a plan and he will work all things together. If we set our focus on the plans God has for us, if he will seek his voice and seek his word concerning uh, his plans, even as we make our own plans. Church, I'm not telling you that we can't make plans. I'm telling you, you when you make plans, you do it in light of what God's leading you to do. You do it in light of what God has spoken to you. You do it with full knowledge of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. And then you make plans. I mean, if we don't do it with God, then I, I just think our effectiveness is a, is a huge problem. I mean, there's an old saying, man plans and God laughs, you know. <laughs> and it's true, because if we're not planning with God in mind and with God in our heart and God in our spirit and understanding what it is that he has to say to us, then our plans will come to nothing. And I hate getting on the other side and looking back and going, yeah, you really messed up there, didn't you? And I can't tell you that I haven't done that. I, I can tell you that I have done that plenty of times. I look back and I'm like, why didn't I just listen? It would have been so much easier. When I first graduated from Bible college, we went to Katy, Texas, to uh, plant a church. And man, I just thought I knew everything. I had just graduated from Bible college. After all, I had to know everything, right? I mean, they spent four years ripping off the top of my head and scooping out all the bad stuff and pouring in all the... They could have called me a jarhead because they screwed the lid back on, right? I just thought I knew everything, and I knew that I was just going to go there, and I was just going to turn Katie upside down. Problem was is that I knew I was going to do that. 
and you don't hear God in there anywhere, do you? And it wasn't until I <laughs> backed up and went, God, what's happening? And it's like he just said, are you tired yet? Are you tired of trying to do it on your own? Because if you are, I have a plan. If you are, I have things that can work. And I will lead you and I will guide you. And what do you know? Things started happening. It was amazing how that church finally happened. You know, until then it was me and Kathy and our two kids. So it was absolutely us four and no more. You know, but then things began to occur and things began to happen and people began to get saved and lives began to be changed. God has plans, but we need to know what those plans, we need to seek his plan. We need to seek his purpose. We need to see what it is that God has for us. We look at Jesus and we understand the powerful plan that he put into action in his life and we think, yeah, but he was Jesus. He loves you that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. That's how much he wants his plans to be working out in your life. That's how much he wants his purpose to play out in your life. Can I tell you this? The enemy has a plan for you as well, though. He had a plan for Jesus, too. He was going to use Herod to kill Jesus. In fact, what happened? Herod lied to those wise man didn't he oh you go find him and you come back so that i may go worship him too the enemy lied oh no could it ever be well another thing we talked about in the pre-service prayer when the enemy lies he's speaking his own native language he is the father of lies that's all he knows so if, if it's not god then you can guarantee it's the enemy, and if it's the enemy, you can guarantee it's a lie. And the enemy has a plan for your life, too. And John 10.10 is the perfect contrast between the enemy's plan and between God's plan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his plan for your life. That's what he wants. That was his plan for Jesus. He even tried to use the word of God to tempt Jesus. And Jesus used the word of God right back at him in power and authority. And so listen, just because you hear a whispering of the word of God doesn't mean that it's not the enemy because he used it against Jesus. He'll use it against you, but he'll twist it and he'll turn it because he can't do anything else. And he comes to, to steal and to kill and destroy. But here's the contrast. Jesus said, I have come that you that I, that they might have life and have it to the full. He came so that your purpose under God, under heaven, could be fulfilled, could come to pass. And your life would be so rich and so full. I cannot tell you of any time in my life that even just personally I have felt better I have felt my life was richer. I have felt that my life was fuller than when I knew I was right smack dab in the middle of the perfect will of God. And I was fulfilling his plan for my life and his purpose for my life. What would have happened to us if Jesus hadn't fulfilled the purpose that God had for him? We would be lost in sin. We would be in darkness and we would be dead. 
but Jesus fulfilled it and the victory was achieved because of what Jesus did to fulfill the plan and purpose that God had for him. And I'm telling you, the same victory will be achieved when you see the, f- the fulfillment of God's plan and God's purpose in your life come to pass. Church, we must be about seeking God's plan for our life. And then we need to ask his help in seeing them come to pass. As I said, God did not put Jesus into the world and then draw his hand back and say, okay, now it's up to you. He doesn't do the same. He does the same thing for us. He puts us, he put us into this world, but through his Holy Spirit and through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, through, through the knowledge and understanding of, of, of who Jesus is and what he accomplished through the renewing of our mind, he, he helps us with the fulfillment. God doesn't give us anything to do but that he doesn't enable us and empower us to do it, to accomplish it. I mean, it's just the truth. God's not going to call you to do something and then not empower you to do it just to frustrate you. Wouldn't that be frustrating? I mean, it's like when a little kid's this tall and you go, here, give me a high five. They can't reach that. And if they try long enough, they're going to get a little frustrated, right? But as parents and grandparents, we kind of bring it down here and to where they can get it and where they can be successful, right? We do what we can do to help them fulfill what it is that we've asked them to do. And listen, God does the same thing for us. He gives us things to do. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. Church, I cannot emphasize enough this morning. He has a purpose for you. And if you feel like you're just kind of floating along in this world and there's nothing that's meaning anything, then seek God, seek his plan, seek his purpose for you. Seek what it is that he wants for you. John 5, 19 says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. There's the key, church. There's the key in fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. Seek the father. See what it is the father's doing. Listen through the Holy Spirit for whatever it is that the father is doing and then be brave enough and sometimes it takes bravery and courage to do what it is that God is showing you to do I mean what if God asked you to get up here and speak on a Sunday morning believe me a lot of times that takes courage you know 35 years later I still I don't have too much problem getting up and speaking I just have problems shutting up (laughs) So for another hour and a half, (sighs) that's right. But let me tell you what, sometimes God asks us to do some scary things. Has anybody ever had God ask you to do something that you felt kind of scary about, you know? And were you able to do it anyway? Yeah, only through the empowerment and the strengthening that God gives to you along with the request. He leads us, and then he shows us the way. And he leads us, and when we get into to trials and tribulations, he's right there in the middle of it with us. I love that scripture that says, in this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. We don't have anything to fear. Oh, but we got an enemy, and he's scary. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, but he's nothing 
compared to Jesus. And can I tell you this? He is nothing compared to you in Christ. When you are in Christ, he is nothing to compare to you. So don't let him lead you astray. Don't let him lie to you. Are we looking to our Father to see what it is he's doing so that we may do the same things Jesus did? Shouldn't we be doing that same thing also? Are we looking to our Father to see what it is that he would have us to do? Should have a paper, a little takeaway. You know, I never used to do this, but I thought it was so cool when Pastor Tom did this. I thought, I'm going to do that. So the first point there, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And that is straight out of John 15, 16. I said Wednesday night, this is one of my favorite scriptures and in, in, in favorite verses in the Bible. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And, and church, from the very beginning, God chose you. God chose you. He had a plan for you. He has a purpose for you from the very foundation of the earth. Bef- when the earth was null and void, when it was covered over with water and, and, and darkness hovered over the face of the earth, God knew you. And he chose you. And part two is the second part of that verse. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And the end of that verse is fruit that will last. Or the end of that part of it. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So my question to you this morning is how's your fruit? I'm not talking about the fruit salad you had for dinner yesterday. I'm talking about the fruit of our life. Jesus was really clear when he saw a tree that wasn't bearing fruit and he cursed that tree and it withered all the way to the roots. He's also clear about when he talks about the the vineyard and he says all those branches that don't bear fruit are, are trimmed away, they're pruned off and they're thrown into a fire. Church, we need to be about bearing fruit, but can I tell you that bearing fruit isn't our responsibility. It's God's responsibility in us and through us. It's only our responsibility to see what the Father would have for us to do and then to have the courage to do us, to do it, what it is he asks us to do. It's our responsibility to seek his face and to seek his plan. In fact, that's uh, number three. God will not force his plan and purpose upon us. It is up to us to walk in obedience. It is up to us to seek what it is that he would have us to do. And he's always there with us. The end of that verse, John 15, 16, says, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. As we live in him, he hears our cries. Anybody ever had a prayer answered? Of course we have. That's because God hears our cry. And we ask in his name. But we ask in his name as people who are living according to his plan and who are living according to his purpose. And so this morning, the fourth part there says, I says, I challenge you today. In fact, I charge you and I even dare you. I double dog dare you. Some of you are so rebellious that you won't ever pass up a double dog dare. And I'm one of those. So I get it. But I'm going to you can write that in there. I double dog dare you today. As you see this new year approaching to seek God 
and his purpose for your life. We cannot fulfill his purpose in our life if we don't know what it is. Right? We can't know what it is unless we seek his face. So we're starting a new year. This coming Saturday. Saturday's the first. Brand new year. And I double dog dare you before it gets to 911 to call 411. I appreciate that word this morning, Mark. Call 411. Find out what the information is that God has for you to have to be able to know his plan and then give you the courage, the empowerment, the ability to, to succeed in his plan for you.